Hello, and welcome back to the Mercy King Learning Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about finding true satisfaction. My question is, where do you find true satisfaction? In your life, where do you find satisfaction? Is it in things? Is it in people? Is it in relationships? Where do you find true satisfaction? I remember a few years ago, and they may still do it, I don't know, but Snickers... Um, they had this advertising campaign that says Snickers satisfies. And on the back of their, uh, on the back of their Snicker bars, you could read the word satisfies. And what they're wanting you to understand with that is that if you eat a Snicker bar, your hunger is going to be satiated. That your life is going to be satisfied by eating that candy bar. So I ask you again. In your life, where do you find true satisfaction? I want us to turn to the scriptures today, and we're going to be in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Now, we're going to cover a few more verses than this, but I'm going to start reading in verse 66. John chapter 6 and verse 66 says, From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. And therefore, Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away too, do you? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life. I want us to back up and kind of get the context and the picture of what's going on here to kind of set the stage for what Jesus asked and what Peter said. And so we had to back up all the way back into the the beginning parts of the chapter. And I know you're thinking, wow, I don't have that much time on my drive today or on my run or in my exercise or wherever you're listening to this podcast. But I promise you, we're not going to touch every verse. We're going to touch a lot of them, but not every verse will we, will we really dive into. But we want to hit the, the highlights and the context of what's going on here. If you back up into verse 1, you see where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Then and the Bible says it was 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And so if you count women and children, you're probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 10, 12, maybe even 15,000 people at this one feeding. Jesus fed them all with 12 baskets full left over for the disciples to take. Then, Jesus comes walking on the water to his disciples. He sent them, they took a boat across the Sea of Galilee, which is known for his violent storms. And he came to them in the middle of the night, walking on the water, came walking right up to them. And so the disciples are watching these things. They've watched all the things that he's done so far. They watched the feeding of the 5,000. They watched him walk on the water towards them. And then the crowd, after they lost him, after the the feeding of the 5,000, they found him again in a place called Capernaum. It says in, in verse 22, The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea knew there had been only one boat. They also knew that Jesus had not boarded the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone off alone. And some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they ate bread after the Lord gave thanks. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus, knowing what man's thoughts are, if you back up to chapter 2, you understand that John says that Jesus knows what the thoughts of man are. He knows what we're thinking. He said this, 
I assure you, you're not looking, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. They weren't looking for Jesus as a quote-unquote miracle worker. They weren't looking for him as the Christ. They weren't looking for him as um, someone that they could believe in, someone they could put their trust in. They were looking for something to eat. They were satisfied by the meal that he provided for them just a few days ago. And so they were looking for him. They were looking for these things. They were looking for, maybe they were looking for something else to eat. And Jesus knew that. And he says, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. And then the people said, what can we do to perform the works of God? What a great question. In my time as a pastor, I've had people ask me that question. What can I do to perform the works of God? I want to perform the works of God. And Jesus said, this is it. Listen to this. This is the work of God, that you believe in the one that he has sent. And who is the one he has sent? Jesus. This is the work of God. Believe in the one that he has sent. They weren't quite willing to do that yet. We're going to see that as we move on through the passage. And then they said, well, what sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe in you? And if I were Jesus at that point, (laughs) I would look back at them and said, what do you mean? What do you mean what sign? You saw what I just did. I fed 5,000 people, probably closer to 12 or 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish. What more sign do you want? He said, what sign are you going to do that we may see and believe you? What are you going to perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. Just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And now they're quoting scriptures at him. And Jesus said, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the real bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said in verse 34, Sir, give us this bread always. Still, thinking on the physical oh we got manna in the wilderness that was a miracle they had manna in the wilderness their ancestors did they had manna in the wilderness to sustain them through their trek through the wilderness and Jesus said Moses didn't give you bread from heaven but my father gives you the real bread from heaven they're still thinking on the physical they want hey give us this bread this this never-ending bread that comes to us every day and we won't have to work for it and Jesus said in one of the great I am statements of the scriptures he says I am the bread of life now make no mistake about it they knew exactly what he was saying If someone were to say, I am this, that's what God said to Moses to tell Pharaoh when he went to deliver the the Israelites from Egypt. He said, you tell Pharaoh, I am. And Jesus uses this statement throughout the scriptures. And he says, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, yet you do not believe. 
They saw all of these things take place, but yet they're still focused on their physical satisfaction. Verse 41, therefore the Jews started complaining about him because he said, I am, see, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, we know this guy. His father is Joseph. We know his father and his mother. How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? And Jesus answered and said, stop complaining amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. I assure you, he says in verse 47, anyone who believes me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. There he said it again. He said, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And they start arguing, arguing amongst themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? How can he do this? They're still thinking on the physical level. And so Jesus said to them, he explained it to them, I assure you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. My flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink, and the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me, and I in him. Wow, all these hard sayings. He said all of these things, verse 59 said, while they while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Therefore, when many of his disciples, now don't get that word disciples mixed up. In this passage, when he talks about disciples, he's talking about the, the great multitude, the great throng of people that's been following him from place to place. But when he talks about his disciples, when he chose in this passage, he's going to talk about the twelve. And he's going to name them the twelve. So therefore, in verse 60, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? It's things they've never heard before. It's things that goes past the, the physical uh, satisfaction of life and into the spiritual satisfaction of life. And they couldn't understand it. They were complaining. This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? And Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were complaining about this, he asked them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending and to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. For Jesus knew from the beginning who would, those who would not believe and the one who would betray him. And Jesus said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. Now, it brings us back to our focal passage. Having heard all of these things, having seen the, the great miracles that he's done, having heard all these hard things that they needed to hear, because following Jesus is not easy. It's difficult at times. It means giving up of yourself. It means uh, denying yourself, and it means following him on a daily basis. 
And after hearing all of these hard things, these things they couldn't really wrap their heads around. Verse 66 says, From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. People just started turning away. They just started going and doing something else. Because it was no longer fun. This was no longer the Jesus who was going to feed me. It was no longer the Jesus who was going to meet my physical satisfaction needs. It was the Jesus who was asking difficult things of me. It was the Jesus who was saying difficult things that I can't really understand. So I'm just going to leave. I'm going to take the easy way out. I'm going to turn around and go do something else. And I think about the disciples during all of this. What must they have been thinking? I mean, they got this great multitude of people that followed them wherever they went. Man, they were living the high life. They had this great crowd. They built this great church. They built this great following. And then Jesus starts saying all these hard things. And the disciples stand there and watch as one by one they turn and they walk away. It's got to be disheartening. But this was getting them ready for real ministry that was about to take place after Jesus left, went back to heaven, gave them his spirit, and gave them charge. And they watched as all this multitude of people turned and they walked away. And Jesus, as they were standing there, just him and the twelve, verse 67 says, Therefore Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter was the one who spoke, as Simon Peter was almost always the one who spoke. He was, and he was really, either really right on base or really off target. And this time, he replies back to Jesus. After seeing all these multitudes of people turn and walk away, Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go? Who else are we going to follow? Are we going to go back fishing? Are we going to go back to our old jobs? Are we going to go back to a a life of whatever it was we were doing before we started following you? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, at that moment, Peter got it. It's not that he wouldn't have doubts. It's not that he wouldn't have... um, questions along the way but at this moment he understood he understood that Jesus was the source of true life Jesus was the source of true satisfaction Jesus was the one who could give us satisfaction in life it's not things, it's not people, it's not relationships, it's not uh, any kind of food that we eat Jesus gives us true satisfaction. He ends that 
passage there by saying, we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So I ask us again, where do we find true satisfaction? Where do we find satisfaction in life? The only place to find true satisfaction is in Jesus. Everything else is just gravy. After we find our contentment, after we find who we are in Him, although life isn't ever easy, it tends to be more livable. Because we don't have to worry about what the future holds. Because we know who holds the future. Thank you for joining me today on the Mercy Came Running Podcast. It has been a blessing to have you here. We do this podcast every Monday to get you started out on your week with a good, positive message to help you along. I hope it's been a blessing to you. And with that said, always keep looking up. There's a great adventure ahead of you. We'll see you next week.